Good evening. Yeah, good to see everybody. Some people's in different places, so it don't seem right. <laughs> okay, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Matt, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed. Redeem his child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeem, redeem, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the king whose in law I delight, whose lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Okay, good singing tonight. 273 hymn books, Freely, Freely. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he told me to, he said, freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely give, go in my name, and because you believe, Others will know that I live. 
give in Jesus' name, in earth and heaven, in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name, I come to you to share his power as he told me to. He said, freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely, go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. Amen. Good song. All right, let's sing this chorus now. Bind us together. I like this chorus because we're a family. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There is only one God, there is only one King, there is only one body, that is why we can sing, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. Okay, Brother Bill. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Matt is obviously not <clears throat> here tonight. Him and Jerry, <clears throat> excuse me, is, um, well, the term that I shared with Mac when he called me. So, Mac, you're telling me you're just pooped out. Uh, and... Uh, they are. They had a lot going on uh, in the past two weeks. So they're just, um, they're just home resting. We need to pray for them. So since he's not here, we're going to do things a little bit different. 
who said that? Um, let's have announcements first. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just me. It's like we get done and we get we worship and then we get to the invitation to the conviction and when we get done, we go through announcements. Um, and that's the last thing we leave with. Uh, to what? You can't hear me. How about now? Can you hear me now? Tuesday, 11.30. Where do you go? Oh, uh, GBS, potluck, right? Tuesday, that's what I said. I said Tuesday, didn't I? Okay. <clears throat> uh, at 11.30, correct? Okay. Uh, sign up sheet. Uh, Wednesday evening uh, services. I'm assuming they will be over there because we start back on the Wednesday night meals, correct? <clears throat> Sign-up sheet is back yonder. I think we just need to have a table and, you know, assistant title it, sign up. We can just put all the... <clears throat> You can, well, I forgot Max listening to this. Oh, well. Um, so we have that Wednesday. Uh, also Saturday, 8 o'clock, men's prayer breakfast. Um, there is not a sign-up sheet for it. There's a sign-up pad. Okay, there's a little, you look for a sheet, it's the little notepad. So sign up for that. Uh, women's studies are getting ready to start in a couple of weeks. There's sign-up sign up sheets for Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday day. encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, the men's study, which is scheduled to start on Tuesday the 21st, that is hopefully not pending because we're having trouble getting the material in. Uh, and that is the man of his word for character and integrity and leadership, and it is by Adrian Rogers. So I encourage you to, and that's on the sign-up sheet back on the evangelism and men's ministry table. Am I forgetting anything? Choir practice. Yes. When is that now? Okay, Sunday, 26th at 4 p.m. Is that, pardon me? <coughs> huh? I, 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 very nice way, yeah. That's okay, you know. Um, that's okay, brother. You know what's coming up? You should be afraid. Very, very afraid. Okay. Anyway, that's just a, that's just between me and that guy back there. All right. Anything else? Pardon me. We're getting ready to. That's why we got those announcements. We got those. We got those out of the way. All right. Um, there's one other announcement. 
Sundays at 5.15, um, Men's Prayer Fellowship. We were talking this afternoon, and uh, I mean, we lift each other, we share a prayer request, we encourage each other, um, just have a good time of fellowship, and really want to encourage you all to, uh, to come to that. What a church, and this church, and any church, needs, its greatest need, is to have men to encourage other men. Uh, we need that. <clears throat> we, um, we definitely need you all there. We need, we need fellowship. We need the prayer. The old saying, you know, real men, real men don't cry. Um, well, yes, they do. Uh, real men keep stuff wrapped up inside of them. Correct? No, we need to get that out and share it. Yes, Larry. Right. <clears throat> Let's have an open word of prayer, then we'll get into uh, get into God's word. Brother George, would you lead us in opening word, please? Amen. Remember the old story about the preacher, every time he, before he would preach, he'd put a peppermint in his mouth. What I have. And he knew that when that peppermint was done, he needed to finish. Y'all heard this? He accidentally put a button in his mouth one Sunday. Well, I got, fortunately for you, I got peppermint. I would like for you to turn into God's Word. I'll give you a little time to find this. In the book of 2 Chronicles, in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. <coughs> One of the signs of the end time, <clears throat> excuse me, before Christ returns, there is mentioned or stated one of the signs is there will be a falling away 
Falling away does not mean in church attendance. The falling away means falling away from the Word of God, what God's Word says. And if you haven't noticed that lately, well, you're blessed. Because you watch TV, you read articles, you you listen to others, and folks, there is a great falling away from the Word, the truth of the true Word of God. People are being led astray more, not by society, not by worldly things, but from departing from what God's Word says. First Corinthians, First Corinthians, First Chronicles, chapter fourteen. What did I say? Let me put my glasses back on. Second Chronicles, right? Fourteen. Excuse me. Uh, Two sections of Scripture. 14, verses 1 through 5. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Means no wars. And Asa did what was right and good in the eyes of the Lord his God. And he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the places for pagan worship. And he broke down the sacred pillars and he cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. Praise the Lord, right? Boy, to have a king that says we're going to do things God's way. Now, if you flip over, just turn the page for some of us, to chapter 16. We're going to fast forward about 20, 30 years. Asa. Remember Asa? We're going to do things God's way. We're going to obey his commands. We're going to tear this. Verse 11 of chapter 16. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet and the melody was severe. Yet, yet, in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but physicians. Wow, what a change. 
he went from serving the Lord and establishing even in his realm of influence, we're going to get rid of all of these false idols, all of these false teachings, and we're going to serve God. But yet, within approximately, you know, 20 to 30 years, where do we find him? He runs into an obstacle, a disease, disease of his feet. So who does he turn to? Not the Lord. Not the Lord. He turned to the physicians. You see the change in his spiritual relationship. I am pretty safe, I feel pretty confident saying this, that one of the last things that any of us would like to, to be recognized for or remembered in this life is to have a disease named after him. The Tyson disease. The McBride disease. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have a statue or maybe a street named after me or even just when Lord, I've left a legacy. I really don't want to have a disease named after me, a life-threatening disease. I have, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> my peppermint ran out. But no, I'm not stopping. I have known people that at the first <coughs> little cough, they run to the doctor. Or get on Google and they see what if there's any sickness or disease that they that they may have. On the other hand, I have known people that they would refuse to go to a doctor even if their leg had practically fallen off, even if they were on the verge of death. But all of us, <clears throat> excuse me, if we were aware of it, <coughs> excuse me, that's a hint, by the way. Yes, ma'am. Uh, make it a small one. Okay. If we were aware of it and we were told of having a life-threatening and highly contagious disease, we would take the steps to receive a cure or an antidote, an antidote. Would we not? We, we want to be healthy. There are two common diseases that we're going to talk about tonight that initially are not life-threatening, but if they go untreated, they will progress to serious conditions that may even become life-threatening, one physically and the other one spiritually. The, the first disease I think we're pretty much all aware of. We probably don't refer to it as a disease, but um, it kind of is. How many of you all here have ever had a common cold? Raise your hand. 
you can raise one. And if you've had more than one, you can raise two. You ever have a cold? Do you get a little sniffle? <coughs> and it progresses to maybe a little cough. And if you don't get a hold of Grandma's chicken soup, it's going to get worse. Uh, <coughs> start getting tightness in your chest. You get a fever. Cold. Just a common cold, which, by the way, there's... You can't take a pill or go to the doctor and get a shot. But if a cold is not taken care of, it will become more serious. And it will gradually, uh, gradually over time. It's not waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. you got a sniffle, and by 6.30, you're calling 911 because it has progressed so fast. Slow, but if you don't take care of it, it can develop into bronchitis, it can progress to, to other situations, it can progress into pneumonia. If you don't, and you're not aware of it, or if you don't take control of it, it can a common cold turn into a life-threatening physical situation, right? Pardon me? Yeah, sure it will. This isn't a gimmick sermon. This is something that I think, um, you know, we, we can look at the progression of symptoms when, from a common cold and how it will progress. We're going to talk about another disease. <clears throat> it is a real disease. It may not be, you may not have looked at it this way, but it is a disease. It, it is progressive. Uh, it, it will start and we, we, we may not really grasp it or realize it, but just like a cold, it will progress to something Worse and worse and worse. There is a word <clears throat> that is used. Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. There is a word in the scriptures, and I've kind of already addressed it, that is used. It's the name of this disease. It's called apostasy. You get that? Apostasy. A-P-O-S-T-A-S-Y. Apostasy is the process of falling away. You may be the, you may have the greatest relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, you're second or third to, to, Enoch and Elijah. But in a blink of an eye, what can start to happen? You'll start falling away. Something, somewhere, will cause you, well, it's not external, it's internal, 
for you to stop, to start falling away. And it's called apostasy. Not just one of us, not anyone here, none of us. And if you, I'm not being judgmental, but if you think this way, I got bad news for you, you're wrong. None of us are immune to it. Did you get that? None of us are immune to this. Apostasy. I want to look at the acrostic. Well, we got some good people working back there, don't we? Apostasy. An acrostic. The very first symptom is your appetite. Just like a cold. It's your appetite. Your appetite. You begin to lose the taste of studying and knowing the true word of God. You lose that appetite. Bible study will slowly begin to be boring. The sermon preached or the lesson presented in Sunday school is slowly becoming salt that has lost its savor. The teaching and preaching of God's Word seems to, to be irreverent or irrelevant to your personal life and it is no longer pertinent to you as you go through life you start to lose your appetite. Malnutrition begins to result. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. You look that up. Appetite. So, first question. How's your appetite? Do you have a hunger for God's Word? Reading it, studying it, knowing it. Not if you're a preacher or a Sunday school teacher. We already, always, we already do that. But if you're not a preacher, you're not a Sunday school teacher, you just have that appetite, that hunger to find out what God's Word says. So that's the first symptom. <clears throat> Second one, <clears throat> excuse me, prayer. We no longer have a consistent prayer life. What little time you now spend in prayer, <clears throat> excuse me, you're asking God, why me? You, you feel that that prayer is a waste of time. Your prayers don't get anywhere. God's not listening to me. Where is God? God's busy with other things. Our focus, our prayers are no longer <coughs> spent 
praying for others. I shared this in the men's prayer fellowship. And if I start going off of men, then let me know so I can stop. Have you real? Have you caught this? Facebook. The church's prayer or website. Prayer requests. Y'all seen those prayer requests on Facebook? Listen, y'all got to do this so I can know that you're... You, you, you've seen those? Have, have you... Have you, have you noticed something? How many men do you see calming? You see the women, but you know, the women, it's the woman, the women are to be the prayer warriors in the house, right? The, the women are need to be, you know, the, the men are out doing stuff, the women do the praying. Prayer life. I've I don't work anymore. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't get paid for it. Uh, you didn't hear me. I don't have a secular job, so I know what it's like having to get up in the morning, get around, got to go to work, you come home. I understand that. Preachers need to be more sympathetic towards the men. Hey, we're getting out. We're doing the work. We get home from work. We're, we're tired. Let, let, let me share this with you. <clears throat> um, back in biblical times, when they got up on a Monday morning, they got, the, they put their clothes on, you know, and they got the briefcase. Wife had fixed their lunch and they walked Right? Right? No. They got up. As soon as it was light enough, what did they do? They went out or into the fishing boats. They did that all day long until the sun went down. When they come home, you read Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. What do you find the men doing? When they finish their days of work, where did they go? Well, sweetheart, let me know what happens at the prayer meeting. And I just say that about men. The same way with women. It's prayer. That's a second symptom. You lose a, an appetite for God's word, and then prayer is not one of the focal parts of your life. Third thing. <clears throat> As as it gets to the point, now you become, y'all ready for the old word? Obstinate. This is where you are increasingly irritable. Instead of encouraging others to become the person that they need to be, you start to distance yourself from others. You begin to find fault in things, issues that 
that are absolutely of no significance and relevancy in your life or in somebody else's life, it, it irritates you. You heard the expression making a mountain out of a molehill. You become negative about the way things are doing mainly because they aren't the way you think they should be done. By the way, I don't like this letter. What kind of church would this church be? If all of its members were just like me. Oh, Lord, we don't want that. You complain about those that you are around and are opposed to other ideas and those that disagree with you partly because of your negativity and partly because you feel it is your responsibility to speak out and take the opposite side. You become obstinate. And you're thinking, well, someone might say, well, that's, that just means you're old. <laughs> no. It happens to young people too. You become obstinate. The fourth symptom of apostasy. <coughs> it keeps getting worse. Why am I going to tell you the rest of these? We know if it's 20 degrees outside, the last thing we need to do is to, well, except for go outside in shorts and a t-shirt and go do work out in the yard and then the next day when we get up and our nose is run well I mean we have to be aware of this S senses start having issues with their senses. One of the first things you have, you have, you got an eye problem. You're losing your sight of what's important and can't see the purpose at hand. You get eye problems. You just can't see things. And not so much seeing the things in other people's lives. You get to the point you don't see what's in the mirror. Hello? Is that right? Y'all wake up. We're going to get to the sense of hearing here in a minute. But it's, it's the eye problem. We just can't see it. Oh, when I was thinking about this, <clears throat> makes, I guess I got it over here, don't I? Satan never attacks you from the front. Y'all know that? This is yes. It's, Satan attacks you from the front. Where does he attack you? He attacks you from behind. Why do you think Jesus, in talking to Peter, he said, Peter, what? It's from the back. Well, how do I keep Satan you know, from attacking me? Very simple. You face them. It's just like a battle. You've got to face your enemy. Your hearing becomes worse to the point that you don't listen to others 
which doesn't matter because you're not interested in what they got to say anyway. Your senses are becoming so dull <clears throat> that you begin to lose touch of spiritual reality. Your priority have changed to the point that that which is true of true value isn't practical. Um, you you say this. Yes, I'm keeping a watch, track of my time. You you say this. Well, God understands. You ever said that? You ever heard him say, God understands? Well, you know, that's a true statement. God does understand. He understands you got some spiritual issues. God understands that he is not first in your life. Senses. Um, here's... The next letter, T. This is the problems with churches today, or at least others say that, that preachers are always talking about what? When it gets to the T is tithing. Tithing. What's that got to do with apostasy? Well, let me tell you. This at this point, that's when you start heading downhill. This is when it gets serious. Your financial welfare has been elevated to a level of importance that is greater than the purpose of the kingdom of God. Hello? I guess I need to talk about hearing again, don't I? You have forgotten that your heavenly Father has given you every single penny that you have. Well, yeah, but I went out and I did this and uh, who gave you the ability to go out? Yeah, but God doesn't have anything to do with Social Security. You want to bet? Everything you have and will ever have comes from God. It's His. He gave it to you. One of the names, uh, my, my favorite name for God is Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Jireh. Y'all know what that means? The Lord will provide. Tithing is no more optional for our personal spiritual growth and that of His church than any other aspect of our Christian walk. Like Cain, we just give what's left. And not like Abel, we give God the best. It's the leftovers that we give to Christ in the church. I was talking to a man about a year or two ago. I don't want to say his name. Uh, we were talking about tithing. And I don't know how it came about, but I mentioned that George and I give over 10% to the church. He says, well, you know, I tithe too. That's great. Yeah, I give part of what I make to Salvation Army, part of it to this charity, 
prosperity. And I said, don't you give in to the church? No. Church don't need my money. They got plenty of money. Other people give them money, giving them money. Well, we also added, well, the preacher's rich enough anyway. He doesn't need any more money. That's not the point, is it? Absenteeism. You slowly begin to miss attending church. Aren't you all glad you came tonight? <clears throat> First, <coughs> it's Wednesday night prayer fellowship. Folks, that's a sign of apostasy. You're drifting slowly away. And you start with Wednesday night. Then, it's Sunday evening. See? Don't y'all glad you came? Because you're here? Sunday evening. Then it goes to Sunday school. You're absent. By now, Sunday morning worship. I'm not saying this because I'm definitely not any better than anybody else, probably worse than most people, but morning worship. By now you have no appetite for God's word. You find fault in the church and those that attend and you have lost your taste for church attendance. You, you have now developed two basic philosophies. Hope you all have good memories or maybe you don't think this is worthy writing down. What are one or two missed Sunday services going to matter? It's not going to hurt. Here's the other one. I like this one. Say that kind of sarcastically. Everybody else misses. Everybody else is doing it. I could quote the famous statement that our mothers told us about bridges. S, seclusion. This is often the place where a significant turn for the worse occurs. This is an increasing desire to associate with only a select few. Folks, this doesn't happen outside the church. You can see it inside the church. Uh, one of the churches I was pastor, I only did this once. I, I got away with it one time. Uh, I had a number of people that they'd come to Sunday school, but after Sunday school, uh, before we got to morning worship, they'd leave. One of them was a deacon who had to be the Sunday school superintendent. When they got the attendance done, counting the money, boom, he was gone. Never saw him again until next Sunday morning. I threatened for several months, one of these Sundays, we're going to have worship service first, and Sunday school later. That worked. Just that one time I was only allowed to do it. But it, it worked. Uh, 
at this point, you find reasons not to associate with other believers. It's always somebody else's fault. So you just stay home or you find other activities to do instead of going to church. By now, you have, you have alternatives to worship and fellowship. Some resort to their favorite TV preacher. I like those TV preachers because you know what? If you don't like them, what can you do? Change channel. Because you reason that you can get just as much from them as stay, but by staying home that you can coming to the Lord's house. And tonight, coming and listening to me. How true is that? There's no truth in that. At this point, you know, we go through this. We go to our, our appetite, our prayer, our obstinate, our senses, our tithing, absenteeism. Now we come secluded. It is at this point, folks, mark it down. It is at this point that you have become highly contagious. Others that are in your realm of influence, guess what? They've stopped coming. Maybe one reason they don't come because they're at your house, you know, have the cookout. You have convinced others to join you and to become one of those names on the church roll that no one remembers either who they are or when it was the last time they were in church. The devil has all but won the victory in that person's life. You have become totally worthless to the ministry of Christ and his church. Is that not sad? And here's the last one. <clears throat> Yielded. <clears throat> excuse me, shared this in our men's prayer time about a story of a man named Taylor. Yielded. By now, you've just given up. You no longer have the time or the inclinations to pray, read, attend church, or study God's Word. The disease of apostasy has taken its full effect and as John says in chapter 15 of the gospel, you have withered on the vine and have no spiritual purpose or direction in your life. You're sick to the point of death. It's a point of death. You've drifted back into your life that you had before Christ and you don't even realize it. And like Lot, <coughs> remember the story of Lot? <coughs> Excuse me, he went to his two sons-in-law. 
God is going to destroy this city tomorrow. You remember what they told him in essence? Since when did you get religious? Now, let me finish up. That's good. I didn't hear any amens. As soon as I turned the page. Years ago, people found solace and satisfaction in church. There were those who looked forward to attending the house of God. There seemed always to be a sense of expectancy. Decisions were made. Lives were changed. And Christ was glorified in all that was done. People held Christ and his church as the number one priority in their lives. Y'all remember those days? Y'all remember? I know you do. Say something. You remember those days? Everything shut down on Sunday. You didn't have to worry about going to the grocery store. Grocery stores were closed. You didn't have to worry about all this stuff. It didn't matter. Sunday. It's Sunday. We get to go to the Lord's house. They had a thirst and a hunger for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. You remember the preaching that they used to have 20, 30 years ago? You remember that? I don't know about you. I don't know what churches you attended. But I don't ever remember leaving the worship service feeling better than what I did when I got there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They had a desire to worship and serve Christ in His church. I still remember back in 1974 when we came back from our cruise in the Navy and I had been saved on, um, during that cruise. I'm not being judgmental and I don't take it that way but I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. I went to my very first non-Baptist church. Well, let me rephrase that. It came out wrong, didn't it? To my first non-Catholic church. It was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I think it was a Baptist tabernacle. I forget what the name of it was. But it was during the day, and I, I pulled up to the church, and I know you all going to think, oh, did they ever do this? And I walked up. Guess what happened to the front door? It was unlocked. And I went in. I went into the foyer. Well, my first natural instinct was to look for what? I'm going to look for the bowl. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But, uh, oh, wait a minute. It's in the Catholic Church. And I remember when I stepped into that sanctuary. Ooh, I could feel the Spirit. First time in my life, other than when I accepted, I felt the Spirit. Y'all remember that? I remember, and this was a big church, I remember I walked up to, to the pulpit area 
Then I stop. Well, Catholic Church, you go up there. <clears throat> I kind of felt like Moses, holy ground. But I climbed up a couple of steps and sat down, and I thought, I hope I can remember this all of my life because that is what worship is. That's what it's like in the Lord's house. It was almost as if I was standing on holy ground. Okay, I'm going to finish up with this. <clears throat> if you all expected me to finish early, it's your fault because peppermint's still going. I want to read this little poem, then, then we'll have a closing word. Some of you may have heard this parable. Fred, somebody, Thomas, everybody, Susan, anybody, and Joe, nobody, were neighbors. But they were not like you and me. They were odd people and most difficult to understand. The way they lived was a shame. But all four of them belonged to the same church. But you would not have enjoyed worshiping with them. Everybody went fishing on Sunday or stayed home to visit with family or friends. Anybody wanted to worship but was afraid somebody wouldn't speak to him. So guess who went to church? Nobody. Really, nobody was the only decent person among them. Nobody did the visitation. Nobody worked on the church building. Once they needed a Sunday school teacher. Everybody thought anybody would do it, and anybody thought somebody would do it, and you all know who did it. Who did it? Nobody. It happened that the fifth neighbor, an unbeliever, moved into the area. <clears throat> Everybody thought somebody would try to win him to Christ. Anybody could have made an effort, and probably you know who finally won him. Nobody. The more the story is this, if we live for somebody or everybody or anybody, Nothing or nobody will do it. There's a cure for apostasy. Y'all ready? I've got two minutes. Y'all know what the cure for apostasy is? Getting down on your hands and knees and seeking God's forgiveness and dedicating his life to him. Set the altar. Yeah, but preacher, we don't have to go to the altar to do that. No, you don't have to. But why don't you? You see, the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit is still 
here today. Amen? He's still here in this building right now. Amen? Is he not? The reason why many of us don't, don't see and feel it is because we've already begun to fall away. When George and I first attended here, when uh, <clears throat> we started to talk to Mac, uh, I went to Mac and says, Mac, you know what? This is not a scriptural Southern Baptist church. And Mac says, why not? Ain't no clock. There's a remedy for this disease. It's the great physician. Christ we are not immune to it I don't care who you think you are or what you think you are but if you think you're immune to this you know what's speaking right back here behind you you know who it is Satan it's repentance and for most of us, it's received by getting on our knees in humility, rededicating our life to Christ and Savior Lord, and giving Him the priority in our lives that Christ deserves to have. Apostasy. There you are. Anything before we close? Okay, remember to pray for Mac and Cherry. <clears throat> Uh, any other prayer requests? We'll stand and have a closing word of prayer and y'all be dismissed and re remember the things we have going on uh, this week. Uh, Brother Tim Degner, would you lead us in a closing word of prayer?